Uh, so that was sort of problematic. Mary Trump and uh, Malcolm, Malcolm Vance. Malcolm just back from the fight in Ukraine. Uh, we are lucky to have him here as he's on a brief hiatus. And currently, he is the New York Times best-selling author of They Want to Kill Americans. Malcolm, it is so great to have you home and safe. How are you? Oh, it's my pleasure to be back, and uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's a little different than where I just came from, but it's time to talk about protecting American democracy now. Yeah, because as you've made very very clear uh, recently, the success or failure of American democracy is directly linked to the success or failure of invasion of Ukraine and democracy everywhere, right? Absolutely, and. The way I view Ukraine now, a nation that's had nine presidential elections, uh, that has a very free uh, political environment, has a free legal environment, has a free freedom of speech environment, and this is what bowls people over when they go to a, a city like Kiev or uh, Lviv or some of the other major cities in Ukraine, just how Western these countries are. You know, it's not Eastern, you know, drab Eastern Russian concrete block. These are beautiful. Uh, country, it's a beautiful country with a vibrant culture. Uh, I, I, I studied Russian early on in my career. It's coming back because I'm mainly in eastern Ukraine where people speak Russian. But the Ukrainian language, you know, it's well, it's, it's own unique language. Uh, it's the equivalent of Portuguese versus Spanish. Right. Um, you know, and you, you might understand the outlines of what they're saying, but you have to learn the language. This is what Vladimir Putin has decided he wants to eliminate. And this is his words, right? Ukrainian culture shouldn't exist. Ukrainian people shouldn't exist as, a, as an independent nation. Uh, the leadership shouldn't exist. Uh, but for the most part, it has nothing to do, nothing to do with them wanting to join NATO, nothing to do with them wanting to join the West. It's mainly because a liberal democracy on their borders, they just could not tolerate it. Just could not tolerate it. Yeah, and, and Malcolm Putin has used a lot of the same kinds of vilification that the right in this country is using, calling the Ukraine or calling his mission in Ukraine a denazification, which is both a lie and projection. It right. seems to me. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. Um, so, tell, I want to I want to pivot briefly to um, other events uh, that are going on here and your book, of course, but tell us a little bit about conditions on the ground over there, because I think as we've seen, and this is true historically in America, people forget. They forget what's going on elsewhere in the world, even if it is going to have a direct impact on the future of this country, and the, the media seem to tire of covering what's happening in other countries. Um, so I think it, I think we really need to remind Americans that the fight is far from over. It is far from decided. And Americans really do need to engage, because, if for no other reason, again, that this will have an impact on what happens here as well. Well, you're absolutely right about that. This is not, um, you know, a, a foreign policy folly where we just decided to go and help out. This is existential for Ukraine, but it's also existential for Western democracy, and it's 
not just its expansion, its existence. You know, when I wrote a book uh, a couple of years ago called The Plot to Destroy Democracy, how Putin and his spies were undermining uh, America and uh, dismantling the West, little did I know that this was a very large-scale project to advance autocracy around the world. Donald Trump was part of that advancement of the, what I call the axis of autocrats. Marine Le Pen in France, the Golden Dawn in, Ger in, in Greece, five-star Italian uh, movement in Italy, the OFD in Austria, the AFD in Germany, uh, Viktor Orban and his party in Hungary. United Russia Party was funding all of these right-wing extremist groups, many of whom had origins in Nazi Germany. I mean, OFD in Austria was started by the two SS officers at the end of World War II, and United Russia got the president in power by directly funding him. Same with Marine Le Pen in France. He gave her 37 million euros to knock down Western democracy, to remove France from NATO. Now we see him invade his neighboring country, and it's not about NATO again. It's about him, Russia, Vladimir Putin, controlling 25% of the flower in this world. All right? By going down and saying that creating a new iron curtain behind Belarus, uh, you know, their, their space in Kaliningrad, and then a Western wall in, in a, in a Russified Ukraine that would block off democracy and start again a march of autocracy. The invasion of Ukraine has made it very clear to the world what the objective is. Now, this is interesting. A good part of the third world are siding with Putin because Russia is throwing around oil, throwing around money, throwing around promises to African dictators, like in Mali, where they're actually signing up mercenaries to come fight in Ukraine. Mali, you know, of all places. Uh, you know, Brazil uh, and other, other nations in order to, to say the West and their, uh, their democracy has failed. Only rich men, oligarchs, autocrats, dictators can actually control the modern world the way that money is moving around the world. And people who are poor of mind and who are like Donald Trump supporters all think that they're just millionaires who are down on their luck, right? Locked to that horrible story and are willing to abandon American democracy as well as abandon democracies around the world. Yeah, and, and I think we've seen, and you connect a lot of these dots in your books, that this is not a new phenomenon. Uh, this is what happens on a global scale when you fail to hold corrupt, dangerous leaders like Putin accountable. And, you know, Ukraine is just uh, another domino that could potentially fall, um, propping up Putin's agenda, which, again, was allowed to continue during the four disastrous years of the Trump administration. And here we are without anybody yet here uh, in power being held accountable for, um, one, for aiding and abetting autocrats around the world, but two, more importantly for our purposes, trying to overthrow our own fucking government. <laughs> so uh, we, we mentioned before we started recording that you're staying with uh, Stephanie Miller, host of The Stephanie Miller Show. 
And I believe that's where I first became familiar with you years ago, because you've been a frequent guest on her show uh, for a long time. And uh, she has she has a nickname for you, which I absolutely love. And it's Nonstradamus. Is that it? Uh, I, I, I keep mispronouncing it. Nonstradamus. And for those of you not familiar, Nostradamus was something uh, somebody who allegedly could see the future. But it is true, Malcolm, that you are one of the most prescient people I've ever met. And I want to start here. In uh, November of 2020, just as the results of the election were being called uh, in glaringly <laughs> in Joe Biden's favor, you warned, as the rest of us were kind of heaving a sigh of relief and dancing in the streets, that there was a political paramilitary insurgents heading our way. Uh, how would you say that's worked out for us? Well, you know, I, I hate being right all the time. You know, I, yeah, would you just, stop it? Be right about something yeah, that's going to make us really, really happy. Like glaringly <laughs> wrong. Um, you know, that was on November 6th, mm -hmm. 2020. I was on Real Time with Bill Maher. Right. Um, Bill, to his credit, was out doing the Kumbaya thing. Now we need to talk to Trump voters. Now we need to understand what they're concerned. Really about blatant, open, outright racism. And the right to be as racist as you want, when you want, how you want. It's taking freedom to a, to a certain level to where you should technically be free to kill your neighbors. They were talking about dominating the, the political environment. And so what I saw in the lead, lead up to this election was all of these disparate wings that we saw after Charlottesville, the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, the 3% Militias, the Neo-Confederates, the State Militias, all, they all got sort of tamped down after the, you know, there's, there's good people on both sides debate in 2018. And then by the summer of 2019 and then the summer of 2020, they came back. But you could barely see them. You know, you could barely see these individual groups because they were all melded into a new, how can I put it, a, a new, um, it, it's, it's actually hard to, 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 to understand this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get the exact word. Into a new wing of rejectionism that for every one-armed militia man, there were 99 regular, average Trump voters with rifles, right? So these protests that you would see would have hundreds, hundreds right. of people with rifles, right. not one, not five, not three. Good example is Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse didn't belong to a militia. Kyle Rittenhouse was just one of these guys who was answering the call that men who were out to defend you know, uh, against Antifa, against Black Lives Matter, should go get an AR-15, should go get X number of magazines, should get body armor, should get a helmet, and then should join together with their patriot friends. He wasn't there to meet friends. He was there to take part of a group action, which they decided on their own, without any prompting from anyone, that they were going to defend a car dealership that didn't ask for them to come that didn't even know that these people were there. And then they sided with the police and came with weapons, and the police saw them as allies. Allies. And actually, 
war. Yeah, well, you know, armed, yeah, armed white men. Right. Wonder to be why. Hmm. All Trump supporters. Well, what happened? Two people get. He kills two people. Yeah. Grievously injures a third. Walks up to the police to surrender, and the police blow by him. I mean, that was an indicator of how broad the Trump insurgency was becoming. It was no longer about named groups. It was about individuals, what we call in the military MWRs, men with rifles. And now what we found was these groups were being washed away by the numbers of the average Trump voters with rifles that were coming to protest. And it culminated in the January 6th attack. We've already seen the conspiracy courts, uh, you know, the conspiracy charges for sedition against the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. It's only a few dozen people. There were as many as 10,000 people laid siege to that building. 2,000 entered that building. But, you know, maybe 8,000 were fighting the cops outside. Malcolm, I'm, you just mentioned TITUS, and it's one of my favorite new acronyms. I wish it were DITUS. Uh, for obvious reasons, but it stands for Trump Insurgency in the United States. And one of the things you do so brilliantly in your new book, which again, everybody has to read, They Want to Kill Americans, and it's important to note that the they in the title is other Americans, not Al-Qaeda, not anybody else, not ISIS. Uh, so um, you, you help people understand not just the evolution of Titus, but also the implications of Titus. And as you just said, it's the political wing, obviously Donald giving the orders, making sure they're armed, right? And then the more organized uh, terrorist groups, uh, the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, who actually were working together in unison on January 6th, which as far as I understand is, is unique. That's, these are not two groups that typically had worked together. Basically helping uh, the men with rifles find their way uh, into the building and, and, and giving them, um, if not necessarily orders to follow, then a path to follow. Would that be fair to say? Exactly right. And, you know, although I've since come up with the term, these guys were pathfinders. And there was a command and control cell, and that's what the Proud Boys called themselves, a command and control cell outside the building with people who were directing other teams inside. Then the Oath Keepers were acting as pathfinders for their men and their women who were coming inside there. Same with the 3% militia. But as I outlined in the book, which the January 6th committee is just getting to this week, they coordinated extensively in December of 2020. They had meetings left and right um, that they were having, you know, in, they had one at the protest of December 12th, and then after that, it was all coordination meetings about what are you going to do on January 6th? What are you going to do? You know, but they understood that for every one of them, 100, 200 average people were going to come there ready to do battle. And they were exhorting them to come to prepare to do battle. Every one of the 10,000 people that laid siege to that building knew that they were there to take that building. Okay. Donald yeah. Trump didn't have to say it with those words, but as you and Michael Cohen have famously said, you know, he uses mafia speak, right? We're yeah. going to go down there and we're going to take back our country. 
That's not even code, right? The only thing you could do to take back your country is to overthrow the, you know, one-third, you know, the, the legislative branch of the United States government. So I watched it in real time, and I knew, you know, that these young, these people were there to really fight. And again, I, I, I often characterize this in the terms that I would use in the intelligence community. They came masked and they came camouflaged. And the reason they got so close is because the camouflage of their white skin and the American flags that they carried, which were actually weapons, they were telling each other, don't carry poles unless they're iron. Right? So that you could, and we saw that in Charlottesville. The sticks that they were carrying were actually baseball bats. And they had the American flags on it to be used as, as, as hammers. Um, these people came to overthrow government, and the only people who were surprised by it was the entirety of the rest of America. Yeah, and you know what else was in code that day? Saying, get rid of the fucking mags, and um, they're not here to hurt me. That that right. was also pretty blatant. And there, you, you use some pretty chilling quotes in the book, which makes it very clear that the people there that day were willing to die for a cause that uh, Donald had scammed them into believing in. And what? who knows what's going to happen with these hearings. I think they've been impeccable. Uh, they've done an amazing job of laying things out. But some things are still missing. And your point is so important because I think it's the heart of everything that's wrong in this country right now. Their, their uh, permission slip to get into, the, it, into that building was their whiteness. And yes. this is all about white supremacy, and every everybody in um, power, the the failures of pretty much everybody in power in this country historically to recognize the fact that this is a white supremacist nation that has never once seriously tried to grapple with its white supremacy. So you know this wouldn't have happened but for that. Right, you're absolutely right. And again, it's another reason why everyone was neutralized that day. Why yeah. cops didn't see cops didn't see anything wrong. They saw these American flags coming up to them, Trump flags, MAGA hats, guys shouting at them, giving high fives, carrying thin blue line, pro-police flags. And you know, it's sort of like you know that 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 meme of the uh, leopards eating your face party. Yes. And you're in favor of the leopards eating other people's faces. Right. And, you know, the, the, it always ends up with, I didn't know they were going to eat my face. Well, in this particular instance, these people are watching this. They were thinking they're, they're wild. They're, you know, they're Walmart shoppers. But they're, you know, patriotic, loving Americans. And that camouflage allowed them to close within close quarter combat distance, one bicycle rack barrier. That's what they put up, bicycle rack barriers that weren't being held together by chains, that were being held together loosely by police officers. And then they got smashed right in the face, literally, in many circumstances, bear spray, pepper spray. And, you know, people knew what to do, come inherently knew what to do. To take back the building. Now, how none of this was in you know law enforcement intelligence's hands is mind-boggling. But again, they were camouflaged. If they're Trump voters, it's a Trump rally, it's going to be peaceful. If black people show up or liberals show up, 
it's Antifa and there's going to be violence and you need to put them down ruthlessly. Now we see, now we see who the real threat to America is. It's not black men, it's white men who voted for Donald Trump. The question is, am I going to have to start treating them? Oh, by the way, Mary, you know, in the intelligence community, we try to be very, hold our perspective open as much as possible. But I'm telling you right now, this book has already been written in the halls of MI6, British intelligence, DGSE, French intelligence, the BND in Germany. They've already written a report about the coming civil war in the United States with all of these elements being funded by white supremacy, being funded by billionaires, all designed to get Donald Trump back in power. Not because he's the best decision maker, because he's an avatar. He is an avatar of their white supremacy, that they will not be replaced. He manages to speak at the level of the idiot. Therefore, idiots can understand their orders and will carry those orders out. Now, I use that phrase mockingly, but... He, this is a man who used to do WWE Worldwide Wrestling. And in his little wrestling pantomime, he was the rich guy who supported the evil wrestler, right? With the giant check. And then by the end of the show, the good guys would win and Donald Trump's character would pantomime that, I was wrong. Here's the check. You're the good guys. That's where he learned to manipulate simple minds because he understood that for every person out there there was a simple story and the story is I'm the hero this is our country you do the work to take it back I will lead you now those four points on the scale have no place for subtlety no place for nuance but a lot of places for misunderstanding (coughs) excuse me A lot of places to inject the other things that are left unsaid, where he constantly threatened violence against people, constantly promised that he would help people that committed violence, constantly encouraged cops to take the law into their own hands and hurt people. Those are the dot, dot, dots in the middle of open parentheses, closed parentheses, that Donald Trump relied for people to commit crimes. And this is the grievous crime of them all. I believe thoroughly to the bottom of my heart when he went back to the White House because the Secret Service forced him due to the numbers, right, that he sat there for, I think it's 187 minutes and watched what was going on. He was waiting to see if they took the building and if they got the Electoral College ballots and were setting the place on fire. Maybe not set it on fire, but if they achieved their mission. Mm -hmm. At that point, he would have, I believe he would have ordered the Secret Service to take him to the Capitol, and he would have, the, the seas would have split open for him in, in Twain while he walks into the building and walks down to the well of the house to have himself proclaimed Mad King Donald I and say, the people want me to be president. This proves I am the president of the United States. It would have been the first successful coup d'etat. And at that point, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, at that point, the Justice Department, the Supreme Court, everyone would have had to have decided, is this constitutional or am I now going to have to take up arms? 
That's between right. you and me. I've never said this before. I'm going to say it on your show, only because you're a psychologist and you can understand. That day I said, I'm going to go check my weapons locker. I, I, I have a bad feeling we may be going to guns here. And I may have to bring my weapons to Washington, D.C. to defend the Constitution. And as soon as I said it, I go, this is the craziest thing I've said in my entire life. I didn't, I didn't yeah. do it, but it was in my head now. When we have a civil war today, you know, and I was on Joy Reid's show that night. You know what I said? I said, Joy, what you're watching is you're watching a flood go through this capital. But what you need to watch out for are there sharks in this yeah. tank? Are there murder cells? Yep. Groups of people tasked to go and find Nancy Pelosi and kill her? Groups of people who, if they find AOC, will strip her naked, yep. rape her, sexually assault her, humiliate her, and hang her? I'm you know, sorry that I'm using these specific examples. But, no, but it's true. Will they, will they force Mike Pence's Secret Service detail to all take out their M4s and MP7 submachine guns and shoot their way through a crowd determined to kill him? Donald Trump bought all of that on. They were all yeah. happening impossible. And you cannot tell me. I've been around crowds. I've been around insurrections and revolutions. That was in the mind of some of those people. These were the deep fantasies that they were having. That if they found Chuck Schumer, whose Secret Service team did bring out their MP7 submachine guns, right? Open, right? High ready. That's not good. That's a sign that democracy is on the verge of collapse. Right? And also, did Mike Pence's, was his Secret Service team part of a conspiracy? Well, that's absolutely, the, that was the next place I want to go. But you just said mm. so much um, that you, you can stay for another four or five hours, right? Because, you know, we're just getting started. Uh, no, seriously, you know, it's fascinating. As a layperson that day, all I saw, like, the, the word that came to mind was tawdry. Because it just looked like a bunch of losers milling about with their fucking Confederate flags and smoke everywhere. It was impossible as somebody who couldn't understand how to read the patterns, what was really happening at the beginning, right? And then everything you said that day has been proven to be the case. So um, the new piece, though, that we're dealing with is, you were just about to go there, what we're learning now about the Secret Service. We already knew that for reasons uh, that kind of beggar the imagination, a Secret Service agent was allowed to take a highly political position inside the White House as Donald Dep Deputy Chief of Staff, I believe. I'm not sure. Tony or Ornato, um, which is, I think, unprecedented. Uh, right. And we've known for a while now that Mike Pence for reasons he won't tell us because he's a coward, would not go with the Secret Service. I don't know about you, Malcolm, but I'm very skeptical of the fact that it's because he thought it would look bad if he didn't stay in and let the votes be counted. And we have just found out that long after, days after January 5th, 6th, and 7th, the Secret Service, in a scheduled turnover, I don't even know what the proper term is, but they erased everything. Now, you would think, knowing that, I don't know, September, uh, January 6, 2020 was kind of an important, 2021 was kind of an important event, 
that mm -hmm. they would have postponed the scheduled uh, erasing of, of text. So, you know, we started talking about paramilitary groups. This is starting to feel even more organized uh, than you uh, warned us. We have an entire agency now that is deeply suspect. This is now, now we are moving into what I would call the seven days in May scenario. If you've ever heard about this movie from the 1960s, go watch it. Kirk yeah, Douglas. Definitely. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, um, I'm trying to think of who the uh, the main character, some of the main characters were, but Kirk Douglas plays a Marine colonel who's a White House staffer who finds that there is actually the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is plotting a coup d'etat using military force in the United States, created an entire military organization that was supposed to be a communications organization, but was like the Army Rangers, and their job was to seize communication centers and government buildings, you know, and, um, and you know, the, that the plot was approved of by many senators, you know, all across government. Now, here's what I want to know. I am not the kind of person to delve into that kind of speculation. But I'm seeing indicators. And in my world, indicators are everything, right? Yeah. We don't see the universe. We see the individual stars. And those stars have star clusters and they have patterns. And we know that they're a billion years old and probably dead. But, you know, we then we start fading back and start seeing, is this Alpha Centauri? Is this whatever? And labeling them until you work back to a universe, you go, yeah, that's a universe. But before we get to that universe phrase, we know everything between A and Z. What I see now, now this Ornato guy, he was put back into government. As head he, of like, in, I was just going to say, he's in charge of training. Let me tell you, for the sake of this nation, if anyone's listening in the White House, Joe Biden needs to fire the top three people in him. Today. Yeah. Today. I have no faith in the Secret Service right now. I don't know. They're, they may have served honorably. Let them retire. Do whatever. But I don't know. Okay? But Mel right. But Malcolm, we also know that, that Biden had to change out the entire cadre of Secret Service agents because of worries that they were loyal to Donald. So this isn't this is a long-standing issue. You know, one of the things that I think that would be more fascinating than the text would be the, the communications between the Secret Service teams and their main headquarters. Did they have the level amount of concern for what was going on? Did the team go, oh, there's just some protesters here and we've moved uh, the vice president down to this uh, secure site? And we're just going to hold here till this clears up. Did they go, okay, we're moving the vice president down to the secure site. We're in danger. Right. Did they make an, did they make a, an extremist call where they go, vice president's in danger, vice president's in danger. I need every Secret Service gun over here at the building. If they didn't, then I would like to know why. Yeah. The vice president of the United States was trapped in a building with tens of thousands of people there who were chanting, hang Mike Pence. Then that right there should be signs for the dismissal of everyone involved, including his team. Well, most of his team probably went to him now, 
and are working yep. to protect him now. But that means the top to bottom revamp of the Secret Service. Of all the organizations that should be the most apolitical, where they should be able to go, look, I've, I've held the top secret SCI special access program clearance. I have had the lifestyle polygraph. I've had questions about my political loyalties to the United States. The Secret Service should be straight up asked, who did you vote for? Right? And they should be. They should say, if you voted for Joe Biden, you're not going on Biden's team. We want people who are neutral here, who have one thing, the one thing they should be jealous of, is failing in their job to protect anyone who is a protectee under the Secret Service. The Secret Service should be protecting the Secret Service's reputation, which means no one under their control gets hurt, killed, injured, or intervened in any way, shame or shape, or form, to the exclusion, to the point where if you got to come out and go to guns and shoot your way through a crowd, so be it. You know, we see all these these representations. For example, I mean, a good example is Tom Clancy. He has a, a movie with Harrison Ford where he's in Colombia and the the secretary, the FBI director, gets murdered, right? The, and the Secret Service there are all guns out and protecting. Well, the only thing you didn't see that day were the people with the guns. They were there. There were armed people in that building. I personally identified from photographs people carrying handguns and the types of handguns that they were carrying. There were dozens and dozens of cops with their badges and their firearms who were fighting their brother policemen. Right? This was a crisis of a level that I think we have not yet recognized. Was there a conspiracy to allow this, the, the three people in the line of secession to be killed, incapacitated, or taken out of communication to where Donald Trump was the only authority left in the United States? There's a and, question. And potentially, yes, right, and potentially a plurality of Congress people. Uh, so yes. that Congress would, would be completely rendered completely useless. And Mary? Yeah, Here's go ahead. The question. Mm -hmm. Did someone ever say anywhere at any time we can take them all out at one time when they were planning this? Someone may have said it, someone may have thought it, someone may have texted it. Until that question is definitively answered, I'm going to believe there's a conspiracy. I'm with you because. You know, in addition to whiteness being the only calling card these, these insurrection is needed, we also have this loyalty issue. And not to be uh, reductive, but based on what you said earlier, if you're a Secret Service agent and you're asked, are you willing to take a bullet for the Commander-in-Chief, the answer shouldn't be, it depends. But uh, clearly, <laughs> that seems now to be the case with this deeply, deeply corrupt uh, agency. Uh, Malcolm, we're, we're almost up, but I, I know you have said very clearly that you do not believe that Donald is going to be held accountable. I'm not quite there yet. I need to hold out a little bit of hope, but you know what really worries me? I don't know. Even if he is, that's not enough, is it? You know, everyone asked me this week, what could be the precipitating event in these crises that you're talking about? And one of the questioners said, what about the indictment or arrest of Donald Trump or where Trump has to surrender? Because, you know, they're never going to perp walk Donald Trump. They're never going to come and have handcuffs put on him. The issue of the Secret Service's obligation to protection 
has never been asked, does he have a bodyguard team in jail? Does his personal protective officer, his cellmate, you know, does his detail drive him around in a B-7 rated armored vehicle or just put in a police car? You know, it, these are things that the, that the Trump insurgents, the Titus, may decide it's time to go to guns. Or worse, what if he's, you know, he's that one hamburger away from the end of his life? You know, and he just keels over due to his clogged arteries. And everyone comes up with a QAnon conspiracy theory that Hillary Clinton had him killed. That's right. You know, are we going to have to have the National Guard in Chappaqua? If you don't game these things out as an intelligence professional, particularly the Secret Service and Homeland Security's protective intelligence forces, then, then you're not even in the game. You know, I have to game these out with ISIS. Good God, these people are ISIS. Yeah. I, and, and the problem of the many problems, Malcolm, is that either way, things are going to end very badly. Uh, on the one hand, though, they end badly and America becomes a fascist autocracy. And on the other hand, they end badly and with violence, but American democracy lives to fight another day. <laughs> That's sort of where we are. You know, it, it, it just it boggles my mind that I even have to answer these questions, that I even had to write this book. And let me tell you something. When I wrote my, my, my first book about ISIS and all the horrible things they were doing, I throw the manuscript across the room all the time. And here's what, when this book, I would constantly ask, what am I writing? What, why, am, why am I projecting out 10 steps? This is insane. Yeah. Especially with QAnon, which has now taken over the Republican Party, right? As far as it concerned, is the Republican every liberal, Party, yeah. Every liberal in America is, uh, is evil and yep. must be put down. Women yep. must be arrested. I mean, you know, they, they really, that party, I said QAnon, it would take a year to two years to take over the Republican. It took six months. They don't say that Hillary Clinton is selling adrenochrome to children. But now they're on this whole liberals are grooming children's chick stick. Yeah. And now they're, they're saying, you know, we must do away with our political rivals. They, use, they do ads with AR-15s in them, you know, uh, that this absolutist let's just kill our enemies theme is now mainstream in That's the right. Republican Party. That's and it's psychopathic up. behavior. Let's be clear about that. It's psychopathic. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, it, we are in serious, seriously dire straits. But I have to say, Malcolm, I know, well, actually, I don't know. I cannot imagine how difficult it must be for you to have to wallow in this stuff to help the rest of us understand. I mean, the, your newest book, I mean, this is true of all of your books, but Things are worse than they were now and than they than they were in 2016. Your new book, They Want to Kill Americans, The Militias, Terrorists, and Deranged Ideology of the Trump Insurgency is a roadmap for us to not only to understand how we got here, but where this might go if we don't stay vigilant. So Malcolm Nance, I am so grateful for your prescience. Uh, your ability to help us understand in a in a clear and visceral way what is going on in this country, what we face, for your patriotism and for your incredible bravery in, in fighting in Ukraine. And I know you're going back out there, so please stay safe. 
Well, thank you, Mary. And I look forward to your New York Times book review article reviewing this book. Let's see if we can do that. I don't know if the New York Times will have me, but I promise you, I'm going to do everything in my power to get this book out there. I know it, I, last I checked it, it hit number nine. So every, on the New York Times bestseller list, everybody, our goal is to get, they want to kill Americans to number one. One, because we want to get the fascists off the list to like, you know, buy books in bulk to get them on the list. And two, because this book is, in, it's vitally important and everybody's got to read it. So Malcolm, thank you again so much. It was so great to see you safe and sound at home and uh, keep us posted. All right, thank you. I'll, t I'll let you know. All right, awesome. Thank <laughs> you.